Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the SOS podcast. This is Megan Bartley filling in for Rob as the host. And we have a special guest today, Ashley Vaden. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and speak with Yay. everyone. Yay. Wonderful. <laughs> we, we've only had one other guest, which was my daughter, Gracie, and that was exciting. So we're happy to have our first adult guest, and um, Ashley is a therapist at the Mindfulness Center with Rob and I, and me, and so Ashley, just tell us a little bit about you. What do you want us to know about you? What's important for us to get a little background about you? Okay. Yeah, I guess I am a marriage and family therapist by training and have been doing this for about eight years now. Um, I went to school in Rochester. That's where I got my master's in systems theory and medical family therapy and came to Louisville and did a lot of work with children, families, and teens in crisis. So definitely worked with a lot of systems in that arena. And, you know, as I grew professionally and individually and personally, definitely wanted to shift into working more with um, young women with anxiety because that was something that I was struggling with myself and made a lot of improvements and experienced a lot of growth in my life and really wanted to just continue to kind of learn more about anxiety because it fascinates me really. So, yay. Yeah. And so you, so we're, we're, before we get onto our topic, which is this all is related, which I'm good. I, Rob would ask a question like, Ashley, if today were a color, what color would today be? Ah, okay. I guess I would say green because okay. green is my favorite color and it's been a really good day so far and the sun is out and I always appreciate a little bit of sunshine in the winter months, especially. So awesome. I, I like it. Yeah. I'm feeling yeah. purple for some reason. Purple ah, pops yes. into my brain and so we're just gonna go with it i don't really okay. know why i know purple's <laughs> kind of uh you know associated maybe with spirituality or mm, you know or higher like level chakras mm -hmm. yes royalty mm -hmm. maybe um so you know as this podcast has uh been going on now i think this is our 21st episode um We've gotten a little, we've, we've embraced the woo a little bit, if mm -hmm. you will. I'm mm -hmm. not sure we're at woo woo yet because you know, <laughs> I, I can the go blue? there. Yeah, I can go there, but I also like the science behind it all. Yes. So I know yes. you can probably meet us there if we decide to go there today, but maybe we won't. Um, so today we're going to be talking about uh, self-compassion. And I think you, you know, you mentioned uh, before we went live too about the idea Self-compassion and anxiety really linked to one another, right? Because yes. usually nobody is harder on themselves than them, right? right. Like, so tell me a little bit about uh, or tell our listeners about, you know, your understanding of all this or how you make sense of it. Yeah, well, it's what's really interesting is that when I started doing private practice work, there was a day where I went to Barnes & Noble and was just browsing and I found a self-compassion skills workbook. And since I've had that workbook, I refer to it constantly within my practice. I use it personally and I'm always using it as a tool for clients. I think one of the features of 
anxiety that is kind of universal and across the board is that we struggle with self-critical thoughts or self-doubt. So shaming, blaming, criticizing, neglecting, abandoning ourselves. And I really have learned that self-compassion is kind of a superpower in helping you address the alarm and anxiety that you experience. Um, so I, I just kind of constantly return to it yes. and even notice it in my own therapy, how just fundamental it is to healing anxiety, not just coping with anxiety, but that's where I feel like the true healing comes in is with that self-compassion work. Absolutely. So. Yes. And so can you give us an example of one of the exercises that you yeah. like? So I guess like an introductory or kind of base level exercise is really just trying to, because anxiety is really in the body. I think we think it's in the mind, but it's actually alarm that's kind of stored and trapped in the body. So one of the more base level exercises is about a seven minute meditation where you're really just kind of checking in and noticing different sensations in your body. And the point of that isn't necessarily to try to change those sensations. It's really to kind of actually build your tolerance for them, to process them, just to notice them, to like increase that interoceptive awareness. Mm -hmm. And another feature of the base level meditation is even to notice lightness in your body. So you're not always just noticing tension or alarm. You're also noticing maybe what feels heavy, what maybe feels light, what feels relaxed. And so that's kind of another um, just introductory exercise to self-compassion. So Wonderful. this, yeah, just acknowledgement of what we're feeling and actually noticing that and bringing some awareness to where those emotions are stored. Yes. And not having to shift it too quickly. Like we all yes. want to like get out of this uncomfortable feeling, but it's almost kind of like making friends with the discomfort. Right. Because that, again, that kind of ties along with the features of anxiety where you're, you're almost self-abandoning or you're criticizing or you're judging. It's, we're very quick to say, oh, I don't want to feel this way. This feels really uncomfortable. I want to turn to a distraction or I want to turn to something that's going to numb me or even something that is I'm addicted to a substance. So we kind of go all these different ways to avoid that feeling instead of maybe sitting with that feeling, which is really where the healing, I think, begins. So I'm hearing you say you really want to be present with where you're at instead of trying to pull yourself somewhere else and maybe dissociate or distract or, you know, whatever that you're yes. just sort of making again, back to that, making friends with the discomfort. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. <sighs> yeah. It's really good stuff. Um, uh -huh. Even, you know, if you think about how, how I have conceptualized anxiety is really that it's, it comes from our childhood. So it comes from alarm that's stored in our body from childhood. And if you think about what a kiddo needs, if you think about, you know, their basic needs being met, they really just need your attention and your attunement and you to be present with them. So I think part of our jobs is actually kind of um, educating clients that their inner child is still very much a part of them. And that yeah. child just wants their attention and just wants their attunement and their presence. Yeah. And so you can do that for yourself. Yeah. And, and how to cultivate that skill of doing that for yourself. Cause it's not ever something we're really taught. 
Right. And so we're, we're kind of reparenting or parenting mm-hmm. ourselves is what we're doing as adults is just attending to, cause you are, you like the different parts. Tell us a little bit about yes. like, um, you know, you, you practice, a, you know, in a, in a way with the different parts. Tell us a little bit about all of that. Yeah. So I guess the, the theory um, or the therapeutic practice that I've really been getting into that I think incorporates self-compassion is internal family systems. So kind of this idea that there are a bunch of different parts of us that exist within ourselves. And some of those parts are trying to protect us from pain. And some of those parts are the parts of us that are in pain. And then, you know, lastly, we have kind of the true self, the authentic self, the more regulated self. So I think if people can notice these parts, because maybe you'll notice it if you get a quick temporary, like someone says you go from zero to 100 or a light just switched and you notice a part of you gets really activated and you just kind of say something without even thinking about it. So that's actually a part of you that's manifested or come up and because something has triggered it. And Typically, what we start working with in the beginning of internal family systems is these protectors. So the parts that are trying to protect us from the pain. Um, we have to kind of work with those parts of ourselves first because before we can work with the parts of ourselves that are actually in pain. Because, again, we're kind of building that self-trust, that self-attunement. And, you know, really just kind of sitting with the, the parts of us that are trying to protect us. And that's, that's where the self-compassion element comes in is you really want to, you know, express and, and actually emote compassion towards yourself. And even these, these protectors, these really, their defense mechanisms really is what they are. Yeah. And yeah. Th- so the more you cultivate that compassion, the more you learn about those protectors and the more they kind of begin to trust the true self and kind of fall away. Mm-hmm. So you're left with, more of your authentic self. Mm-hmm. And that's where you really, I think, are, are always going to make decisions really in a, your best interest or in the yes. best state of mind. Very cool. Um, yeah. I, well, well, you saying that kind of reminds me of what John Lentz has said about in like uh, Ericksonian hypnosis even, is that when we're, our subconscious is really gonna make the best decisions for us you know or that if we Mm -hmm. if we're in a space where we're we might choose something else consciously but there's that feeling of it that it's not gonna lie to us it's gonna um Mm -hmm. choose what's best for us if we you know in some ways if we allow it to but sometimes we we consciously go a different way maybe yes yeah yeah and i think the protector's job is to keep you safe. It wants to keep you safe. It wants to keep you comfortable. So I think that's why we often experience that self-doubt as well, especially when we're elevating, we're growing, we're expanding. There's a part of us that kind of turns on and it's like, hey, this is new. This feels really like kind of strange territory. This is uncomfortable. Are you sure you want to grow? Are you sure you want to experience that challenge? So we, and we'll we'll feel that as self-doubt or self-critical thoughts when really we're trying to keep ourselves safe, but we don't necessarily want to feed into that self-doubt or self-critical thought. We want to express compassion for it so that it can eventually kind of fall away and the true self can come through. Yeah. 
Well, I can even see the anxiety when we are trying to grow or shift or change or elevate. I like that word a lot um, where we might have, you know, coming back to like a systems uh, point of view is like, how will other people receive me mm-hmm. when I shift or change or grow? Because mm-hmm. I've always been this certain way and that'll maybe shift the system a little bit and can I be confident or can I be strong in knowing I need to do this and whatever anybody else says maybe right. is on them. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I guess that's something I notice a lot of my clients struggling with too, is that confidence piece and feeling, I guess, feeling like in order to be confident, that means that you don't experience self-doubt, oh. which I think is really kind of a harmful <laughs> belief system that we carry. Absolutely. Because really that, that your self-doubt is actually confirmation that you're on the right path. It's, Absolutely. It's trying to keep you safe, but you don't necessarily need to feed into it. Right. Um, but it, it was very interesting. I, I was listening to um, another podcast that I like to listen to a lot. It's kind of about spirituality. And she was saying a lot of people with social anxiety or think they have social anxiety, but really they're just hyper aware of other people and how other people are feeling. They're very sensitive to moods and temperaments and feelings of other people that they're with in a social setting. So, and again, that's another feature of anxiety. We're just hyper aware. It's kind of one of our gifts. Yes. It's, you know, I definitely see it as a gift as we can really, we're very in tune with how we're feeling and we're very in tune with how other people are feeling. So, you know, when you talk about, yeah, when you talk about like feeling worried about other people's perceptions, I kind of, I try to reframe that for my clients of it's okay that you are caring about how other people feel. That's a part of your superpower that you can pick up on that. It doesn't necessarily mean that you want to make decisions from that place. And also there are things that you can do to kind of protect your energy when you're walking into a social setting. So you're not, you know, to get into kind of the woo, there are things like that you've even taught me to kind of protect your energy and also like cleanse yourself of other people's energy when it's easy to kind of take on and absorb, especially as an empath. What, what have I taught you or what do you do? (laughs) I, so this is not super woo, by the way, this is very much like, I think science based. Yeah. Very science based. I think, you know, we talk about this a lot, you know, I'm, I'll own that I'm reading a lot about past life stuff right now. So that might yeah. be woo for some people, but it might also be kind of, you know, in the science realm because it is being studied in, you know, major universities. But anyway, mm-hmm. let's go back to like energy because I think, you know, we're all interested in, our, you know, and talk about our energy and how do we, we do pick up on things. I, you know, I see a lot of my clients are highly sensitive people. So if you haven't read the book, The Highly Sensitive Person, and you think you're a sensitive person, that's a great affirming Mm -hmm. book to read. Um, And a lot of times with the sensitivity comes high empathy as well. So you're a high empath. And so maybe what you're feeling is not necessarily your stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You might be picking up on a lot of people's stuff and maybe not even in the same room as you, but maybe in the same building as you, or maybe it's people that you're connected with within your family who are not around you at the moment, but that you have sort of these connections to. And Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, all that is super legit stuff. And most people who are listening to this podcast <laughs> might agree. And if they yes. don't, then they probably don't resonate with this podcast. So, 
So tell us a little bit about things you do in situations to protect your energy or to cleanse your energy. Yeah. So yeah, because everything is energy. Um, I've I will kind of initially put my armor up for the day. So I know what I want to radiate. I know that I want to send out positivity and compassion, but I also know that I don't want to absorb too much of other people's stuff because it yep. can kind of drain you. It can be kind of an energy leak. So I'll like put up a protective orb and I like to tell people they can use whatever shape that they desire. Mine looks kind of like a pumpkin. I don't know why. (laughs) It's just like a very round protective shell. Some people imagine like a triangle, which I think is a very cool shape. I wish that shape were a triangle, but it's actually a pumpkin. Nice. Um, So just imagining that kind of force field of you know, until, unless I'm intentional about this and decide to kind of drop that force field, there's only so far you can kind of penetrate. I do want to radiate out positivity and positive energy and love and compassion, but I want to protect myself as well. Um, and even an exercise you can do when, when you're in the shower, because water is very therapeutic, it's very cleansing, um, is kind of imagine that, you know, as the water's washing off of you, you're washing off the energy of other people. You're calling back your energy to you. And even as it goes in the drain, it's kind of transmuting or changing Mm -hmm. so that you're kind of neutralizing any negative energy that might kind of be flowing back out there. Um, And even sound baths. I've gotten a, a mandala or like a um, a, a sound bowl for my room. Mm-hmm. So after a busy day, I'll just kind of use my sound bowl and kind of yes. cleanse my space. Yes. Because sound is very healing as well and kind of cleansing. Yes. So I, that's interesting that you talk about sound baths because it's been on my radar now, like for yes. this, like the last several weeks and people are like asking me about, let's do a sound bath. Let's do this. And so I was actually at Rainbow Blossom yesterday and they have little bowls that are for the mm-hmm. different chakras. So they're all at different notes. And so, yes. you know, that's what's interesting, too, which, you know, I'm not definitely not an expert on any of that. But I know that one of the things and actually on the Today Show yesterday, there was a gal from the well, I think it is in New York City, who was talking about the vibration of mm-hmm. the tone of the um, bowl you know, resonates at a certain vibration, which gets sent out into, you know, I mean, you want to come from like a physics standpoint, like Mm -hmm. there's all this shit happening that we can't see, you know, different hurts, you know, like things are, you know, H-E-R-T-Z, not H-U-R-T-S, hurts, right? So, you know, of resonation, resonance, resonance let's say mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. that that vibrational thing it's why you know when people have crystals or burn sage or do all these different things or all those things are thought to have a different resonances yes you know, vibrationally so yeah the sound thing I actually did I just pulled out I have I this little it. bowl yeah, that I got yeah. um actually when I lived in Louisville the first time a client we were wrapping up our sessions and we had worked together for quite a long time and she had given me a a gift certificate to just creations which is Mm -hmm. a very cool store on frankfurt avenue um and uh that's what i bought with my um gift certificate and i love the 
I need, I was actually, I pulled it out thinking I was going to find out what the note is on it and what mm-hmm. chakra that's associated with. Cause I didn't buy it. I tested them when I was there to see like what I liked. Right. And that's kind of how you do it too. It's like yep. what feels good to you. Cause you're going to notice I'm going to guess we'll come back on another podcast and see, but I'm going <laughs> to guess that this is probably the second or the third chakra, like okay. the sacral or the, um, Maybe the solar solar plexus. plexus yeah. yeah. Cause it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty low note. Um, but I'll, I'm, I'm going to do, you know, use my little tuner thing to find out what note it is. And yes. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. So I, I like the idea of the shit shield, right? Like mm-hmm. how we put the shit shield <laughs> over us, around us, you know, kind of like the boy in the bubble from that movie, John Travolta. It's a long mm-hmm. time ago, but just imagining that you're kind of in a bubble and you get to decide what you let in, mm-hmm. you know, and part of all of this, like everything, you know, we've talked on this podcast before with, you know, Reiki and hypnosis and all these different things, a lot of it is, and life in general, is just really about the intentionality, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's about our thoughts because our thoughts are energy and what we feed grows energetically. So that's why if we're anxious and we, you know, it's, it's normal for us to feel that sort of spark, that rush of like, oh shit, you know, like, Mm -hmm. what am I going to do? alarm yeah alarm yes perfect Mm -hmm. and so then it's like do i follow that down the rabbit hole which feels kind of darker and heavier and uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. you know or can i stop myself you know as i'm looking down the hole and i'm like okay do i really want to go down that rabbit hole or do i not right so instead of spiraling downwards into what feels more negative heavy Mm -hmm. all of that you know, I thinking about spiraling upwards to say, oh, I'm noticing how I'm feeling. I don't want to feed that, you know, the noticing, the naming it, and then Mm -hmm. the redirecting your attention somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. So giving it that touch of attention, you know, it kind of, I think helps dissolve it instead of immediately ignoring it. That's the one thing we don't want to do is like immediately like push it away, right? Because when resist persist i heard you say that on your Mm -hmm. tiktok channel by the way (laughs) actually got a tiktok channel very good i love it and um but uh yeah so you know noticing it naming it and then Mm -hmm. distracting yourself or moving yourself in a different Mm -hmm. direction away from it you know kind of just real simple and all of that is just um, you know, the more you repeat that, right, because it mm-hmm. takes us a while and the consistency of doing the same thing over and over, which is how we rewire our brains, right? Mm-hmm. Because I like to say, you know, if you if you're used to going down the rabbit hole and spiraling downwards, it's like you're you're lifting a weight with one arm and this, you know, that neural pathway to go down the rabbit hole is so strong that that's what you know. That's your go-to. That's kind of your set point. And so when you're at the point where you're like, oh, this really doesn't work for me, and you're choosing something new, 
Yes. You know, which is very empowering to know that you have a choice and to know that you have, you know, you are in the driver's seat here. Mm -hmm. And what you have to do is you have to switch hands and put the weight in a new hand, in a new neural pathway, if you will. And you keep lifting weights by giving it attention so that you do something differently instead of spiraling down, which is like noticing it, naming it, and then distracting Mm -hmm. yourself Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. you know real I love the visual of like yes you know the neural pathways of like whatever's the strongest neural pathway is the one that's going to kind of win out right right but when you shift and change and refocus your attention on doing something differently and staying consistent with it you're you build up that neural pathway and the other one begins to atrophy so it's Mm -hmm. not like you have these two really strong you might at first, you might get to a point where you're really, there's a pull there, but the more you notice how much better you feel or how Mm -hmm. much, uh, you know, you're getting positive reinforcement from other people and stuff, you're going to keep feeding the pause, you know, the more positive one Mm -hmm. versus sort of reverting back. That doesn't mean you're never going to get pulled back into the spiral, but I think it means or and we don't do butts on this uh, <laughs> podcast. Yes, and yes, and mm-hmm. you you know you you will more quickly be able to be like, oh, I just got sucked down the rabbit hole. You know, you sort of allowed yourself to go there instead of choosing actively choosing. But with time, I think you know that neural pathway gets stronger, and you can continue to elevate yourself. You know, and go in a more positive direction versus getting pulled in that heavier direction. Yes. Yes. That I sense? really, it does. I really like those visuals as well. Um, especially the weights, you know, kind of signifying the neural pathway. I think that's a really helpful way to frame it and helps me kind of visualize it. I yes. think that's why, um, that's, that's a part of why I really love this internal family systems work as well, because if you, when you notice the density, when you notice the negative thoughts that are kind of spiraling and you actually go inward and you pay attention to them and you attune to yourself and you really kind of dig deep into your subconscious, you actually connect with the fact that these negative thoughts are coming from a place of trying to protect you. They're coming from a place of your own best interest. And I think the difference for me came when I started to see all different parts of myself and really notice that they were all coming from a, a, a protective, a good, positive place, having kind of unconditional positive regard for myself. Yes. So it's like, even if you have anxiety, if you're feeling that alarm, your brain is looking for certainty. Your left hemisphere wants certainty. It wants cer- So it's going to make stuff up. It's going to make things up just to feel that certainty. And so that's when you have to kind of notice, okay, this is what my, this is what my brain is doing to try to, to try to reach a place of certainty. But I know that, you know, there is, I'm safe. I'm safe right now. I'm safe in my body. Yeah. Maybe I can explore that density and, and see that it's coming from a good place. That was really, you know, something that made a big difference for me was just really, I guess, feeling that compassion for these parts of my, these defense mechanisms and kind of yes. unburdening them. Like you don't have to do your job so well anymore. Like there is no, there is no threat here. Yes. Um, yeah. That's where the difference really came for me is, is incorporating the body and not just kind of, not just doing that cognitive restructuring 
Yes. But actually, you know, regulating your body, regulating your nervous system, grounding. Absolutely. One other visual I've been usually using lately is the idea that, you know, that um, alarm feeling came, you know, anthropologically when we were faced with a bear or a lion mm-hmm. or a tiger or like survival sort of mm-hmm. mechanisms, right? And so if there's, you know, most of us are not in a situation where there is a, you know, actual bear standing in front of us. However, that feeling and the emotion mm-hmm. in our bodies is still there of like protection, right? Because when you're faced with a bear, you're going to be like, oh shit, you know, you're going to do fight, flight, or freeze, right? Like, mm-hmm. or probably more things, but like, those are the basics. And so, you know, if I, I the other thing I, you know, I, I found interesting with like the body keep score stuff was like the more you can be in movement your body in movement so if you know you're a walk or you Mm -hmm. exercise or you just are pacing as you're talking something out or there's some sort of movement um and I even you know going back to like the sound bowls I've been thinking a lot about the movement inside of our bodies even and like humming and talking Mm -hmm. and like I say a lot of I do a lot of ohms like Mm -hmm. keep my you know let's say vibration in a certain place or whatever um or if I'm up against you know I know I'm going into a hard situation I'll just do a lot of ohms um and it kind of puts me in a certain state Mm -hmm. whether it's a trance or it's you know whatever you want to call it but I I it seems to always help me but I'm like creating that by the movement inside of my body, which the idea of like emotions in motion, right? Mm-hmm. And if they're stuck in our bodies, you know, I've always found that really interesting how to keep those moving out. And I wonder if yeah. even just the act of talking it out and why, you know, one reason why talk therapy is so important too. Yeah. Or even journaling. Just journaling getting it out. Movement. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just moving it out of out of the body. So mm-hmm. um there was one I've read a lot about like breath work and you know all these different things and there's this Tarzan breath that I love that clients always (laughs) like freak out when I teach it to them but it's just like you're pounding you know lightly on your chest and you do like a sigh but you like allow your voice to crack so it sounds like And you just do that a couple times and like, I'll do it with clients yeah. in session. They're like, oh, this is really weird. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like. <laughs> gotta get a little weird. Sometimes. Gotta get a little weird. Like keep, we're keeping Louisville weird. We're keeping yes. it weird here. But um, yeah. And, or I say like, you know, okay, do it in the shower or do it mm-hmm. somewhere where, you know, they're like, my family's going to think I'm like dying or something in the shower. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe you want to prep them. Or like, I usually do my own, like in the car by myself, yes. you know, like, and I used to do the ohms with the kids, like when the yes. kids were a little like off or needing regulation, I'd be like, okay, let's take some, let's say some ohms, you know, and <laughs> just, you know, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, mom, not again, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. they, when they were little, they liked it, you know, cause it feels, it feels good after a while yes. and it doesn't really take that much time or, you know, like it's just the remembering to do it. Right. Even I remember my therapist teaching me like when you're doing affirmations to incorporate some type of movement into the affirmation. So like I am enough and you're like flexing or you're doing a yoga pose or even while you're doing yoga, you're making affirmations. 
And I, yeah, I love that you just took that practice and kind of made it your own as well. Like that's always what I tell clients. Like I'm going to tell you what my practice looks like, like throw that away and make this your own. Use your intuition to see how you want to incorporate this skill in the way that you want to incorporate it. It doesn't have to look like how I do it. Yes. Well, that's what I learned with like the Reiki stuff. Cause I did do, you know, all the structured classes, Isui Reiki, Karuna Reiki, you know, all the different things. And I was practicing it in this like structure of how I was taught. And mm-hmm. then somebody, you know, who practices energy medicine work was like, you know, you're kind of limiting yourself by just doing it that way. Like that's that person's, you know, that's what made sense to that person you can use that, you know, yes, okay, now you have the certification or whatever. But like, really, the whole point is to use your intuition. Yes, because it's that intuition piece, I think that is subconscious, maybe like, if we even want to go to like, soul level or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, like, that it's, you know, you healing yourself, Mm -hmm. you listening to yourself, whether it's conscious or subconscious, or you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm doing it. It's like, doesn't matter. Like I, I usually don't go to any why places with people like, why do I do it this way? It's like, I'm not sure it really matters. Like, let's just do, let's just, you know, if you're getting a positive result from it, keep doing it. If you're not, let's look at what are your other options, you know? Yes. That's it. My, I think I've also made the most progress in therapy when I've listened to my therapist directive, but used my intuition to figure out what that looked like for me. And, you know, I think self-compassion can sometimes get a bad rap because we maybe associate it with like an inflated ego or self-esteem when really it's more about just balancing this idea that you are human and you're imperfect and yet you're doing the best you can. You're doing the absolute best you can. So even I remember in therapy getting really frustrated with my progress and really trying to fix it, trying to fix myself, like kind of looking for the key, like what's the thing that's going to fix me? Yes. And I think that's such a common feature with anxiety too, is we have this overactive fixer and we're constantly, we're like, very ambitious. We're like people with anxiety are ambitious. <laughs> yeah, they right? have a They're lot of like, energy. They, they don't do. know where to channel it. They yeah. do. And like some of the most transformative moments I've had in therapy where, where was when I decided like, okay, I'm not going to try to fix this. Like, I'm just going to sit with myself. I'm going to sit with the different parts that I notice. I'm going to invite parts of myself to meditate with me. Yes. And I'm not going to try to fix them. I'm not, I'm not even going to try to heal them. I'm just going to be with them. Yes. And once I started to do that, I started to learn more about myself and bring more awareness. And once you have that awareness, then you can play around with, okay, what do I want to do with this awareness? Do I want to like fix it? Do I want to do things that are more adaptive or, you know, is there, how can I remove this sense of urgency and actually just kind of accept myself for where I am? Yes. Like even you, you know, if you're in the midst of therapy, you're, you're still enough. If you're in the midst of your healing, you're still enough. And that's, that was so huge for me to really kind of like, not just hear, but experience. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's where a lot of my, I think transformation has come. So yes. I think really listening to your therapist directives, but really kind of making it your own. And even yes. Throwing away the session because you're going to remember what you need to remember. Your subconscious will remember what it needs. 
So yes. even like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to think about this. I'm going to kind of push that away. And then those skills will kind of come back to me as I'm needing them. Absolutely. Um, when I, when I'm deeply meditating, I've, I've done this a couple different ways where, you know, when I'm deeply meditating, I, use, I'm like in this like state of euphoria, you know, in this space. And usually I don't remember unless I write it down immediately after I come out of that, you know, like I don't, I usually am not going to remember much of it. I might mm -hmm. remember the feeling that I felt right of that, but I don't tend to remember because you're maybe in a subconscious state. I mean, really when you're meditating, right. I mean, that's mm -hmm. kind of piece of that. Um, and uh, unless, you know, I've, I've also done this where I've meditated with a note, pad and pen so that I'm sort of, you know, writing as I'm going, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting too. If, mm -hmm. if I'm in a space where I'm really trying to gather some information, you know, like, yes. um, so it's interesting. I think, you know, that's why I think like our vision of mindfulness, we don't have like one definition at the mindfulness center mm -hmm. of like, this is the mindfulness that we're teaching. And mm -hmm. this is the course that we're you know, we t all took and, you know, like, I think that mindfulness, I mean, I love Thich Nhat Hanh's, you know, pr practical mindfulness, everyday mindfulness, you know, you're, you can be mindful in all the activities that you do. Mm. It's just about paying attention and being in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, and so and then the compassion, you know, compassion piece, non judgment, like all of those things that I think go with it. But I don't think there's one way to right be mindful or one way to meditate or, you know, that, and that somebody has the answer on any of that. Right. And I think when, when I was thinking about this this morning, actually, I was like, if, <clears throat> if we get to the point where we do think we have the answer, you might have the answer for yourself at this time. But if I got to a place where I'm like, I've got the answer and I'm going to tell everybody what the answer is, you've now, you've kind of hit a wall where you're no longer curious. Like we've mm -hmm. talked a lot about like curiosity being this midpoint between, you know, more negative mm -hmm. feelings versus positive feelings. And so if you can get to this midpoint of curiosity to be like, hmm, this is interesting, you know, I wonder what this is trying to teach me, or I wonder mm -hmm. what this is, you know, you're wondering, or, you know, at that place. And like, I always want to be in this state of wonder, mm -hmm. you know, that's why, yep. <laughs> you know, as yes. I talk about, because I am, I'm in a deep dive right now about reading about past yeah. life stuff, and like souls and like soul, if, if there is a such thing as reincarnation, like where, what happens with our souls when they're not in a body? Like I, I just find it all really fascinating. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a seminary grad. I consider myself a Christian. I, I like the, you know, Christianity. The, the I'm still a member of this church in Texas where Jim Rigby is the Presbyterian minister, and he is just fucking amazing. I mean, yes. he just like speaks from, you know, this, you know this place of where I think, you know, Jesus was teaching, if you want to get mm -hmm. back to like the love and the compassion, but also mm -hmm. the, you know, I, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I digress. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I just, it's exciting for me. You know, it, it's, it's thrilling. But anyway, I don't want to get to a point where I'm like, I've got the answer mm -hmm. and everybody needs to listen to me. I, and know what I know, and I'm mm -hmm. sharing what I know, and I, 
you know, I think that's one thing I've been noticing about myself is I read a lot. Like I probably go through at least a book a week. You're quick read. Um, <laughs> what? That's that's a I think that's a superpower in and of itself to, well, to it, read quickly. It is. I feel like I'm digesting all of this information because I'll read novels and then I'll read some, you know, more mm-hmm. I don't know if they're like self helpy books, but just things I'm interested in. Like I read a book mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago about like sacred geometry. Oh my God. Ooh. That is super fascinating. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that sounds fascinating. Yeah, numbers and what numbers? Yes, numerology. Yes, but in sacred sacred geometry, which you're like, holy shit, this is all science. This is Mm -hmm. all science. It's it's a pattern. It's all pattern. Math. Yes, Mm -hmm. the you know Fibonacci sequence and all these different things. So, um, but it's interesting how you know this when you really do because I mean I've deep dived on this from you know time to time. And I'm like, why don't I focus on this more? Because mm-hmm. it's so fascinating and it's so like exhilarate. I find it very mm-hmm. exhilarating. And like, mm-hmm. um, I have a few clients right now that have been talking to, you know, I had one client who had a near death experience mm-hmm. um, and she now talks about this idea that I, you know, she says, uh, you know, she talked to God or, she, you know, was in the presence and that when she came back, she now gets these, she calls them, you know, these little seeds, like a ping, like a, yeah, like a little, you know, mm-hmm. thing of like knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. or like just awareness, which I'm like, I mean, how is that really that different than us being mindful or meditative? And, right. you know, I, I think about this idea and what I'm learning and some of this reading that I'm doing is like, it all comes back, to, and I love the fact that you've said compassion like a million times yes. today. <laughs> really, it's about, you know, love and compassion. And there was one other thing that goes with that. Um, but this compassion is different than empathy. I was mm-hmm. reading about this. I've been mm-hmm. reading some Brian Weiss stuff and um, very notable psychiatrist. But um, how compassion is really a place of kindness, kindness um, and love is kind of this loving compassion, right? Of loving Mm -hmm. kindness is Mm -hmm. really what Mm -hmm. compassion is. Mm -hmm. And so getting to that place and it almost like for me, I imagine it feels warm. There's a Mm -hmm. warmth to it, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas empathy is a little different where it's like you can put yourself in someone else's shoes, but you might not have, you might not necessarily have compassion while you're in that person's shoes, you may right. be able to see around and, you know, notice it all, but it's, it's different than compassion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the two, a lot of times with the clients we see can really go together where right. they're highly compassionate, highly empathetic right. because their hearts hurt right. when, you know, the world is hurting or there's certain things that are going on. Yeah. And it's a skill. It's a skill you can cultivate. It's yes. something you can work on. And yes. improve within yourself. That's yes. which is very empowering to know. Yes. And that's what I think is interesting, you know, about the therapists we have at the Mindfulness Center. And we do therapy, we do coaching, we, you know, teach classes, um, we do all these things. Is I really feel like, you know, I'm not clearly all, not all people are created, you know, like they're not all the same. They're all kind of in different spaces. And one thing I like about our therapists. Um, is that we 
do really come from this place of compassion, you know, and mm-hmm. that we are really doing our best to utilize our intuition. Because I think when we're using our intuition, we're connecting with our client's intuition, where it's like we're only doing what's best, you know, we're, we're helping the client get to their best place or their highest good or all the things. So it's not like, because I think we can, you know, I remember being a newer therapist and being so anxious about like helping people fix their problems Mm -hmm. and being like, (laughs) there's some sort of formula. There's some sort of like, oh my gosh, they're going to get mad at me if I can't give them an answer. Mm -hmm. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it's not so much about that. It's more about the more calm I am, the more centered I am, the more you know, grounded I am, you know, and I tend to put myself in a trance before sessions of sort of this loving kindness, like, Mm -hmm. you know, how can I uh, be this unconditional loving presence? That's sort of the trance I go into is like Mm -hmm. this unconditional loving presence with this person for the next 50 minutes that they have my absolute full attention. They've got my, you know, intuitive, you know, skills and whatever. And I was explaining it at the retreat to my friends. And we got to wrap up here. I'm just noticing the time. It's like I almost have this like ongoing text dialogue happening. Mm-hmm. And I, it's on this side of my body. I don't know how to explain it. But it's like these thought bubbles that come up. And they're like, you know, ask the person about this. Or ask, you know, like these mm-hmm. little ideas. Which is mm-hmm. what's so cool about using our intuition I think in therapy and I, and then I'm sort of discerning like, okay, is this the right time to ask that? You know, oh, they've moved on to a different topic. Should I, you know, wait, you know, should, should, I could, I could wait to, um, you know, something else, but it's like this attunement, like Mm -hmm. it is the attunement Mm -hmm. that we have with our clients. So if you're in therapy and you're not experiencing that with your therapist, right. that's not good, bad or wrong. It just is, you know, knowing that there are different options. And if you're in a space where you want to go deeper, you know, or again, elevate higher or whatever, however you want to do that, I, that's what I think. I think why we've been so incredibly successful with mm-hmm. the Mindfulness Center is that that's, we just kind of do that differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. Well, I know that was a lot. Do you have any, anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I, I maybe want to like shout out a few tools that I use for people that are listening. Um, but so one is the self-compassion skills workbook. You okay. can find it on Amazon and there's also a virtual version by Tim Desmond, D E S M O N D. Okay. And then the, there's a book called self therapy. That's about internal family systems that we've been talking about called by Jay early. So it's okay. called self therapy by Jay cool. early. Um, and lastly, there's another pa- podcast by Dr. Russell Kennedy. He also has a book. It's called Anxiety Rx. And oh. it's taught me so much about anxiety. It's something I refer most of my clients to that have anxiety that like podcasts. So just Very another cool. podcast to check out. Very cool. And we can find Ashley at Ash. Uh, you're at Mindful yeah. Ashley Mindful- Lou. Yes. Yes. Mindful Ashley Mindful- Lou. Okay. Yeah. So yes, you you have some good nuggets that you share from time to time, um, yes. from TikTok to Instagram and yes. Facebook, right? Yes. All the things. Whenever I feel inspired and get in a flow state on a walk. Yay. Well, yeah. yes, you're in a trance. You're in the flow yep. state. You're, you you're know. Grounded on my root chakra. 
nice things. Very cool. <laughs> so, um, yes. And if you have any questions, if our listeners want to reach out to us, you can reach us at shiftingourshit at gmail.com. Please let us know how you like what we're doing or not doing. If there's something else you want to talk to us about. Um, we love topic suggestions, which we have taken to heart. And if you think you might be a good um, guest on our podcast, we'd also like to know that too. We will definitely be having Ashley back. Um, I'm so glad that she was here and able to join us. I always feel so blessed by your presence mm, and am glad me. to do this with you and I'm excited to see where your 2023 leads you this me year. Me too. I'm very yeah. excited. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. Okay. Everybody have a great day. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs>